Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Diecast Movie Review Podcast. My name is Michaela Turk. I'm here with my dad, Steve, and my brother, Benjamin. And this week, we're joined by the lovely Scott Morris, all the way from Disney, Indiana. Hello, Scott. Hello, and thank you for allowing me to come on, even though I kind of had to ruin your last episode by forcing my way in. Well, that's okay. We're still trying to figure out how you got here from Disney, Indiana. Oh, the, the mouth has its ways. I'm wondering how much you paid Michaela to call you lovely. <laughs> it was a lot of Disney dollars, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, Scott, what's been up with you? <laughs> um, well, just like uh, the rest of the country, I have been staying in my house and trying to avoid the, the virus the best I can. Haven't uh, got to see a whole lot of people or get to do a lot of fun things right now, but uh, other than watching a lot of movies and um, watching, actually, I've been watching quite a bit of foreign films uh, recently because I've been going through and watching uh, several Godzilla films. Well, you're a man after my own heart, guy watching Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my wife got me the uh, Criterion Collection uh, Godzilla set that came out recently, so I've been working my way through that. Nice. Highly recommend it if you can track that down. Good, good. And I, now I can see why you um got somehow transported yourself from Disney, Indiana, because you're, you're getting cooped up in your house. You had to say, I got to I got to get on a podcast. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Derek won't let me on right now. He keeps firing me. So I'm trying to expand my horizons and find other ones to be on. Yeah, I think I'm number two on the fired list. I think you got such a you got an insurmountable <laughs> lead over me. That's that's true. I, I have been uh, podcasting with him for quite a long time and multiple, four different podcasts he and I have appeared upon together. Oh, wow. Now, currently you're with, you're on two podcasts. You're on plan nine by nine from outer space or something like that. I think that's the exact title. It's just yeah, plan nine from outer space. Yeah. And um, also I've appeared many times on his current monster kid radio but I was also a regular fixture on his original podcast, which was a mail order zombie. Uh, there I was the, the news guy. I was doing the zombie news for each episode. And then he and I and uh, Casey uh, did a podcast that was all about hammer films, more, more foreign films here uh, called 1951 down place where we watched uh, different hammer films, most of which I had never seen before. So it was new experience for me. Casey and Derek were old hats at uh, Hammer, so it was a lot of fun to let them geek out about it, but then hear my reactions uh, being the newbie there. So that was that was a lot of fun. I've had uh, had a good time uh, podcasting with Derek over the years. But I think your favorite podcast partner is probably I'm going to assume your wife. And uh, oh, by by far, uh, Tracy and I have been doing the Disney Indiana podcast um, for. 10, 11 years now, something like that. We've been doing it for quite a long time. It's in every other Sunday podcast where we just, uh, as we like to say, we cover anything the mouse has to offer. Um, it started off, we were doing the Disney theme parks and talking about Disney movies and, and video games and the like, and also touched on the Muppets since Disney owns the Muppets. And then over the course of our existence, they've bought Pixar. So we've, uh, gone in and, and done a lot of stuff with Pixar. 
They've also uh, purchased Lucasfilm. So we've just done a lot of Star Wars type stuff. And um, this little comic book thing called Marvel. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Um, and the Marvel MCU might have might have heard of that one. So we've got to to cover all of those things on our show as well. And we're going to play a little promo of your podcast right now. C-3PO. Loki. Mace Windu. Dr. Bruce Banner. Captain Rex. Venom. Princess Leia. Jean Grey. Darth Maul. Nick Fury. Grand Moff Tarkin. Captain America. Lando Calrissian. Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes. Because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. The Disney Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. Wow, listening to that brought two things to mind. I forgot to mention our third co-host, Jessica, the master control program that runs everything in Disney, Indiana. Of course, named after Jessica Rabbit from probably my all-time favorite movie, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And the fact that that uh, promo is about five years old, we need to record a new one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I think they've now purchased even more since then. Well, that, and they've got Disney Plus out there. They've uh, that Fox purchase. Uh, they also own National Geographic now. So lots of more stuff to talk about. In fact, uh, we're getting ready um, on a upcoming episode to talk about uh, the world according to Jeff Goldblum, which is on the National Geographic channel. I will say, um, I've, we talked about this when Tracy was on. I know Mikhail and I both listened to your podcast I listen to it regularly, and Mikhail listens to it on depending on what episode it's going to be, like if it fits in her wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you guys covered, she started watching on Disney Plus. Now was the um, when they were going that one, like what was it, the, the seventy-two hours or twenty-four one hours? One short day at Disney. Yeah, one short day at Disney. One day at Disney. Yes, highly recommended. We've been watching the shorts now that have been coming out, and they're supposed to come out one a week for this entire calendar year. And it's it's fascinating, some of the jobs that um, exist at uh, Disney that most people might not have thought about. Yeah, I've been watching some of the shorts since, you know, we've been 
stuck inside and everything and I have to say some of them are really good. I think I really liked the um I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a Animal Kingdom uh animal handler in there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that one was really cool. I really liked the underwater engineer that uh would the, uh at uh Disneyland. At Disneyland at the uh submarine ride, yeah. Yeah. That one was cool too. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's starting in May, the Mandalorian documentary series. Not documentary, but yes. behind the scenes. The behind the scenes. I'm looking forward to that. And another one that's coming is called Prop Culture, where they're going to focus on a specific movie and go through the props that still exist from that movie. And two, they've already announced the first season, and two of the episodes. I can't wait to see one is on the original Muppet movie and the other one is on who framed Roger rabbit. I know my wife, Tracy is really excited because another one they're doing is Tron. You didn't, those, you couldn't see this, but the whole time you're describing that Michaela is like holding her hands over her heart. It was just giddy with joy because she was the prop mistress at McDaniel when she was going through her theater degree. So she was always building props and, taking care of them. She loves her props. Yep. It's called prop culture. I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit. Cool. Um, Ben, what's been up with you since our last, Uh, since our last podcast, not much has really changed with me. I'm still working from home and just doing stuff at home to try and not annoy the other people at home too much. You know, Hiding in my room. The usual. What about you, Mikhail? Didn't you build something downstairs? Oh, yes. I uh, I built a tower out of cards in our basement because I got so bored. And I couldn't get it to work like how the traditional card tower works. So I used them long ways and then I started stacking paint on top of it. Because I ran out of cards. And I was kind of just like, you know, I'm just going to see how much this can hold. And it still hasn't fallen down yet. And how tall is it? Uh, maybe like a foot and a half. It's like it's like shorter because I have the cards lying lying with their long side against the table, so they're not as tall. Yeah. Awesome. And Michaela, what have you been up to? Anything? I've been doing work from home. Um, Mom and I have been figuring out some different things to cook for dinner in the upcoming weeks and um, going grocery shopping for us and everything. And yeah, that's that's pretty much been it. How about you, Dad? Uh, I've been still, actually, it's interesting. I've still been working at work, you know, so I still go out and do my normal stuff. But one of the things I wanted to tie in, and Scott, you'd be interested in this, is Disney's been releasing some recipes. And one of the ones was the Dole Whip. Mm-hmm. And um, so um, Karen, my wife, and um, Michaela made um, citrus and pineapple Dole Whips, and all they were good. <laughs> you can't go wrong with a Dole Whip. Um, you can actually, I, I don't know if Disney released the... Um, the adult version of the Dole Whip, but if you go to Epcot, you can actually get a Dole Whip with rum in it. 
which is quite tasty as well. I can imagine. I don't drink, but I can imagine it being very good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Scott, when you were last on our episode, you kind of came in, like we said, from from, um, Disney, Indiana, and Mm -hmm. we rolled the die, we rolled foreign, and you picked the good, the bad, the weird. Yes. And um, a, a South Korean Western from 2008. What made you decide to pick this movie? Well, um, this is one that I've recommended to quite a few people to see because I was completely blown away the first time I saw it. And the first time I saw it was at the B movie celebration, which used to be an event that happened in Franklin, Indiana at the historic Artcraft theater which is a beautiful old theater that was originally built as a vaudeville-style theater. And now it is run as a nonprofit for the city. And they show movies. Every weekend I have movies in there, but they're, it's just the one screen, and it's always old movies. It's not new ones. And as often as they can, they actually show them on original prints. And during the B-movie celebration, they just have movies pretty much the entire weekend. It, it runs all day, it ran all day Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And this was one of the movies that they saw. And my wife and I saw it because we liked the title. I think it was one of the original reasons we went to see it. We didn't know anything about it at the time. And we're just completely blown away by watching the movie. And I've recommended it, like I said, to a lot of different people who have also really liked it. And we'll find out as this review goes on, did the three of us like it as much as you? <laughs> but just before we it, have you give a synopsis we're going to play the trailer and um yes this is the it's the movie there is no subtitles so it's all in korean but it's really cool music
누가 전설을 만드는지. Many, many different movies. Usually, when somebody's getting shot or falling off of a building or falling off a cliff or something, you hear them scream. And it was taken from a really old movie where I don't remember if it was a character or an actor that, that was named Wilhelm that, that made this scream. And it's just sort of one of those things that, um, sort of like hidden Mickeys in Disney, it's the Wilhelm scream showing up in just about tons and tons of movies. Oh, wait, for those that didn't know, now they know. <laughs> and it shows up there in the trailer. I, I, I remember it being there, and I just heard it again. So. Now, Scott, for those that yeah. don't, don't speak South Korean and have no idea what that trailer was, because <laughs> obviously we're an audio cast, they couldn't see it. Could you give a uh, synopsis of the movie before we move into what we liked about it and stuff like that? I'd be happy to, and uh, just to let everybody know, I apologize. I may butcher some of these names. Like I said, I don't speak South Korean, but I will do the best that I can. Um, the movie starts off in Manchuria in 1939, just before the outbreak, really, of World War II. And the bad uh, character by Park Chin-Yi, he's a bandit and a hitman, and he's hired to acquire this map that a Japanese official is uh, have it on him that's on a train. And so he makes these plans to uh, hold up the train to get this map. But before he can really do it, Yung Tang-gu, who is the weird, is a thief already on the train, and he steals the map and uh, is caught up in the whole attack by the bad derailment of the train. And there is a giant shootout, first of many shootouts in this movie, a big slaughter of all the Japanese and Manchurian guards, various people on the train. Um, it also introduces Park Duwan, who is the good, who is a bounty hunter, and he sees all this going on, and he tries to claim the bounty on the bad, who he's after, Chang Yi. While that, while the two of them fight, um, the uh, the ugly escapes, and he el eludes both the good and the bad. But he raises the ire of a fourth group, the Manchurian bandits, who are also after this treasure map because they want to sell it on the ghost market. So they, the weird hopes to uncover the map map's secrets and recovers what he believes is the good and riches buried by the. The King Dynasty or Queen King Dynasty, Q-I-N-G. I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. But as the story continues, there's an escalating battle for this map between the three main characters and those um, bandits. And there's bounties that are placed on all of their heads by the Japanese army because they want their map back. 
many different shootouts and chases, uh, including an awesome final battle that erupts with the Japanese army and the Manchurian bandits chasing the good, the bad, and the weird. They pretty much, the bandits and the army fight and kill each other at this point where we're just down to the, the good, the bad, and the weird, close to where the treasure map is leading them, and it leads into uh, a, a shootout that ends in a Mexican standoff, and I really, that's as far as I want to go. I don't want to reveal the ending to this film because I really think people should seek this one out and check it out because it is worth a watch. So I don't want to go into the ruin the ending. Oh, I agree. I don't think we should ruin the ending because even though it's, it's people can say, oh, it's been out for 12 years or whatever. Uh, as you said, a lot of people in the United States haven't seen this film. It made a lot of money in South Korea. I think it was the second highest grossing film of that year mm-hmm. over there. It's obviously um, you know, it was very extremely popular and it only had a, a limited release and in the United States, and you're one of the few people, I think, in the United States that, that can actually say they saw it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, it made the festival circuit. A lot of people saw it in festivals, but there was no, I don't think there was much of a general release for the film. Correct. And um, so let's go into some likes about the film. Um, normally I'd start a few scouts, but I haven't heard from Ben in a while, so we'll pass the, we'll go up Ben and give one of his likes out of the way first, then we'll come right to you. Okay. Okay, so this movie is very fast-paced. It's not really dull for any amount of time. And it kind of like, it has that, and it, it did come out in 2008, right? Which, it kind of seems like a Western, that if it came out in 2008, was the best that you could do to recreate a Western, because it's still fast-paced like an action movie. It doesn't have a lot of like slow, long shots like old westerns used to, so it kind of gets this more of um, high action western gunslinger vibe, which I really enjoyed. Cool. And um, Scott, what's one of your likes? Well, first, I'd I'd like to agree with what Ben said. This does seem like a modernized. Spaghetti Western. And I I do like that as well. There is a lot of callbacks to Spaghetti Westerns. Obviously, the title is a a callback to the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is a very famous Spaghetti Western. But one of the things I really like about this movie, and I'm going to feel something that's from my normal, uh, one of my other podcast partners is the music. Uh, Derek's a huge soundtrack fan. And I, we heard part of it in that trailer. I love the music for this film. It is very appropriate. It's kind of got a Western feel, but it's also got the, um, the far Eastern feel to it. The music is just amazing. I, I, I wish I had an actual soundtrack for this film. Oh, I agree. I mean, I was just looking at the, um, composer and again like scott said we're gonna probably butcher some names because none of us speak south korean as we said back with the wuchi episode um dalpalan is the name he goes by and he's in he's done a ton 
of films. I'm trying to see if there's any of them that I've seen doing a quick look, but this particular one, it's just, it keeps the action going. It's, everything is just moving. And this, as Ben said, the movie does, it doesn't really pause for long. It, it keeps things at a nice, good pace. Well, I think the, the music and the stunt work both are just very strong keys to keep this movie going. You have the main three characters in, in the story that you're following and the music going through to, to really push that action that the stuntmen and women are doing, which are just amazing stuff. And the fact that it's all practical, I don't think there's much CGI in this at all is another thing that I really like about this movie. Yeah. We, um, just before we came over to record dad and I watched, um, some of the bonus features on the DVD and the director said that there was no CGI at all in the movie and that um, all of the actors did their own stunts. Yeah, their, their, catch, their catchphrase was no CGI, no stunts, meaning no stuntmen, 100% action. They kept putting that up there a couple of times and they had two different making ofs. They were brief, but that was like the main point from them. I believe they lived up to that saying in this film, especially my all-time favorite part of this is when we have the Japanese army chasing the, the group of bandits that are chasing the good and the bad and the weird across the desert. You've got horses, you've got motorcycles, you've got trucks, everything going on. It's just so much fun to watch, and there's not a dull moment in it. And that chase scene lasts I didn't time it, but at least 20 minutes. It has to be oh, at least easily. But it doesn't feel like it's 20 minutes. It's not something that you're sitting there looking at your watch like, is this over yet? Is it? No, it, it flies by, but it is really, really good. It reminds me of the uh, Mad Max films with the chase scenes going along with there where like everything is just going and it's practical effects, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that, realism just carries through so nicely because you're able to see the faces of the actors going through. I do. I'm sorry. You go. I was going to say, I had not made the comparison to Mad Max in my mind, but that is a very apt comparison, especially like the road warrior. The, The last 30 minutes of the road warrior reminds me a lot of that chase scene that I'm referring to in this film. I love them both. And just, that was a foreign film, too, you could have picked. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michaela, what are some things you that you liked? What's something you liked? I Well, I li- I've liked everything that everybody's mentioned so far. Um, I really did like the music that they did for this movie. Um, I think some of my favorite parts were... Um, the interactions between the weird and the good are some, there's some really nice comedy in there. And then um, just other things that the weird does where it's like, why are you doing this? This is why you're the weird. You're just so weird, but it works. Oh, I agree. I think one of my favorite scenes with the good and the weird is when they're in the town and um, the good's telling the weird, you have to go out. And, and, and he goes to him, so should I go straight or should I zig and zag and try to confuse him? And he looks back at the good, and the good's just like 
doesn't say a word, but his, all, his whole body language and look just says, get out there. And he's like, and he does his little zigs and zags. And it's, it's, it's just action with humor and, and, and their relationship is, it reminds you, it does remind you of the original, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but, but in a more comedic way. I, I will say I love the comedic parts in this, and it, I'm going to say this lovingly. I don't mean this in a bad way, but there's parts of it where it almost borders on some slapstick, especially with some of the weird actions. It never goes full slapstick type comedy, but it is very good. Very, he's very, his timing is really good. His feature, I mean, the way he moves is just funny. Yeah, and the and the actor that plays the weird is one I was going to bring up as one of my likes is Song Kang Ho, who a lot of people might remember from the Parasite. He was the father in that movie, and he also was in the giant monster movie The Host. And um, so he's been in a lot of different films that I've seen, and he is an excellent actor with facial expressions because you know because when you're watching something and you're trying to read the subtitles. And, and see what's going on, it, you, but you don't even need the subtitles a lot of time with him to be able to follow what his character is feeling and the emotions, which is excellent when you have a, when you're trying to have a movie play well with a group of people that don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think that's a key to why I think people in foreign countries would like this film. I know a lot of people are turned off by having to read when they see a movie. And I think you could almost watch this film with the subtitles off and still get the story well enough. Oh, I agree. I agree. Cause um, uh, I think Ben was watching it for the second time without his glasses on. So he was following along exactly with, and he couldn't read any of the subtitles. Yeah. I had forgotten. I left my glasses in my car and it was raining. So I wasn't going out to get them. So I just watched the whole thing and I was like, Oh yeah, this is great. <laughs> and then I didn't mention it until we were watching the um the making ofs because then you can't you know, I couldn't really tell what the heck was going on except like when they were actually showing you the stuff that they did. So I was kind of like, "Oh, what is he saying? I can't read that from here." <laughs> my dad was like, well, "You just watched the movie." <laughs> that that was the weird part. I guess I guess if we were doing the good, the bad, and the weird, Ben would be the weird. <laughs> was there any doubt? No. <laughs> well, that means Michaela, one of us is the good and one of us is the bad. I was going to say, I think when I was watching it, uh, Tracy was uh, sewing. So she was not paying attention, but she was liking the music. She's seen it before, but she likes the music as well. So she was just enjoying listening to the soundtrack. Yeah, I don't think I've ever watched, like, I don't think I've ever watched a Korean film where I didn't like the music specifically. Or like really many foreign films in general. Like I don't I don't know if like U.S. films are just missing out on all the good music or something, but isn't past two Wuchi and this one have both had really good soundtracks? You haven't watched very many Bollywood films, have you? <laughs> no, not really. Well, one thing <laughs> I want to say about this, where Ben's saying like, oh, this has great music and all the Korean films he's seen. In order for a Korean film to get the distribution and they're going to push it worldwide, they're not going to push their bottom half of films for general population. They're going to pick their better ones. So we're actually, we're lucky in that in a sense, uh, we're seeing the best, but not really the worst 
that South Korean film has, where in America we're seeing everything. So that could be a reason why we're seeing a high standard come out from South Korea, just like with other countries, you know, because you don't always see the stuff that doesn't do well there, because why would they push it out here? That's true unless you um, seek out some of that stuff, because I, I know that there are a lot of what we would consider B-movies out there from foreign countries that unless you're a B-movie aficionado, you're not going to like them or you're going to see many problems in them. But there's some that uh, I've seen. Mostly I've seen some documentaries on different films, um, like from the Australian. Uh, there's, a, there's a good documentary. I'm blanking on the title of it right now. But it's all about the Australian film industry. Uh, and they even cover uh, Mad Max and stuff. And there's some films there that I've never seen where they just show clips from it that are like, wow, I can't believe that that actually exists. And I kind of want to see it now. <laughs> I think there's an Australian film. Not quite Hollywood. That's what it is. That's not quite Hollywood? Very, not quite Hollywood. Yeah, I think there's an Australian film that's called Rubber. And it's about a killer tire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a great movie. And it's also about a director filming a movie about a killer tire who is poisoning everybody that's involved in the movie. It's very bizarre. <laughs> it is very weird. Yes. I've seen that too. And I, and somehow I just knew you would have seen it also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for a while that was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is or not. Oh, you've seen it also, Ben. Yes. <laughs> like when it first came out on Netflix, I watched it. Yeah, I had someone recommend that movie and Hobo with a Shotgun. So I, that's what my double feature was one Saturday. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's, a mo- <laughs> that's a movie, Rutger Hauer, that we might have to do down the road one day. But <laughs> It has a great title, Hobo with a Shotgun. It's like Killer Clowns from Hobo Outer with Space. A shot- <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I actually got to meet the Chaho Brothers. So they were at another B-movie celebration in a different year. And I got to see Killer Clowns on the big screen. But that's not a foreign film. Yeah. It's almost like you're name dropping. You know, it's like, I got to yeah. see this film on the big screen. I got to see this one. <laughs> the, the, the ironic thing is, hanging right next to my microphone right now is my all-weekend pass from the B-movie celebration that had the Choho Brothers at. And they signed it. I've got their signatures on it. So when you brought up Killer Clowns, I, I looked right at that uh, pass that I've got hanging right next to me. <laughs> I mean, what can you say? It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to this movie, um, Ben, what is something else that you liked about it? I li- I've liked a lot of things that you guys have said, and I agreed with them. I really liked how it mostly follows one character through the whole film or for the most part, the weird gets more screen time than the two other title characters because he kind of has almost a more interesting perspective on the film. And that allows you to kind of get more of the comedy because they can just do weird things with him because he's the weird one. And you can cut you like you understand his character motivations more. And I also liked how they developed the, uh, the bad throughout the film when they split off to his scenes because that gave it a lot more, it gave him a lot more character development without 
taking away from the whole plot of the film necessarily and without slowing it down. I agree. Okay. Scott. That was one of the things that a lot of action movies or Western, well, Westerns seem to do it more, but a lot of action movies, there's not a whole lot of character development after the, especially the first 10, 15 minutes of a movie. You get in, you learn what these characters are, you learn what they're going to do, and then they do it and there's no more development. This one, you learn, you continue to learn about these characters and, and basically what makes them tick and, all the way to the end of the film, which is another thing that I really liked about this. It's really good in storytelling. Something that I really wasn't expecting in an action movie. I know this director, he was talking about in his commentary where it was something that he had really looked forward to doing. And that it, it was kind of like his big Western story that he always wanted to do. Yeah, he always, he had um he said he pictured um Song Kang Ho with two pistols in the West. That was his image when he started to plan this movie. And um and which he had his two pistols and that kind of stuff. And the director is Kim Jae Wong, who also did The Last Stand with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which I have seen that as well. Oh, I've seen it. I, I enjoyed that movie. And that was, I, did, I yep. enjoyed this movie better than that movie. I, I enjoyed The Good, The Bad, The Weird better than The Last Stand. But The Last Stand is, is a fun action film. And I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's, like, one of his first ones back from after being the governator. Yes. Yes, it was. Oh. I, another thing that I really wanted to mention that I love about this film is the cinematography work, which is Lee Mo Gay. Some of the shots, especially the beginning train robbery, are just gorgeous to look at. Seeing the train and seeing how the the desert area there of Manchuria and everything, it's just, it's shot amazingly well. And it just draws you into the film right away. Oh, I agree. And that, and that, that opening train sequence or a train sequence happens really early in the film is just awesomely shot. And also the chase scene, as we both talked about before the way how each in order, in order for people to understand the chase scene, I know Scott talked about it, like all these people are chasing them. It starts off with just one group chasing the weird then another group adds in then another group, and just, and the weirds probably thinking, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, and it's 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 shot so well. Yeah, there was another. Never guy. are you con- confused about who's chasing who or what's going on. Everything is shot to the point where a, a viewer can follow, still follow along, even as new groups keep, keep getting added in. Yep. There was one other thing that I wanted to add, and it was about the uh, it was about the um the fight scenes and the action scenes because I believe this had the same. Um, fight choreographer. Fight, fight choreographer as Wuchi Demon Slayer. Who did this one? I forgot what his name was since the last one, and I I didn't see it when I was looking through real quick. But I greatly enjoyed the fight scenes that he's choreographed, and I wanted to throw that out there. 
Oh yeah, the fight scenes are amazing, and it goes back to not only that they're choreographed well, but the stuntmen and women and the actors are doing an amazing job of doing those stunts. So it just fits all together really well. Oh, I agree, and I think going back to um, what Ben said about characters, and you said about characterization, I think the weird is definitely the the most interesting character because as, as you find out more and more layers of him, because he's protective of children, he's protective of the older woman. Um, and, 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 and he's like, he has these things that he wants to make sure stay safe. And, and, and you find out different aspects of his character as time goes by. I think one of the one scene where he finds the three children and um, he has to take out this one guy and he keeps telling the children, close your eyes as he's about to do something um, um, rather graphic <laughs> to the uh, 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 to the bad person, the bad guy, and then he has to do it again and say it again. It's just, again, as you guys are saying, it's, it's, it's very comedic with the violence. You don't see it being done per se. You know, you see the after effect later on, but it's just, you know, but your mind always make, imagine these things being worse and the... Um, Actors, they're having the problems done to him, sold it well with him, with the children. It, it made it look really good. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to say that I enjoyed um, the different sets that they had throughout the movie, um, especially the the ghost market town place. I thought that was really cool. Just because they had so much, like, there. That was, they had all these different animals, and they had all these different people with different costumes to really kind of show how, I guess, like, chaotic and how everything, like, was kind of meshing together from all these different cultures and all these different people um, during this time in this ghost market, black market area, and all the different opportunities that the good, the bad, the weird, everybody else that was there had to use their environment in their um, shootout or the fight that they had there. I agree. There were some really cool things, especially in that area or on that set especially things that the good did where it was like, holy crap. That was a really like, it was a really um intricate set for the stunts that they had him do in that. And it was kind of crazy cool. And I want to tell you what the costuming, the costuming was really good. Also <laughs> it was really good. Also, I think they had the behind the scenes thing. Mikhail wasn't like 500 different costumes or yeah, something like that. I think like that's that? what the, the costumer, the costume designer said there was like 500 some costumes for the whole movie. And that's, that is a lot of costumes to keep track of and make sure the right people have and they don't break. That's just a lot. It's a whole lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think they said, didn't they say that it had like 120 guns in the film or something? I think so. There was like, it, there was a whole lot. It is not like a movie. Western where there's only like three people with guns. This thing had lots of explosion stuff. And people had multiple guns. 
and it was just it was a whole lot and it was a lot that would have needed to be coordinated and they did a really great job of doing it I mean, another actor I want to bring up is the one who played the bad Lee Young Hun um he played the bad. He's also been in a lot of other films, like The Magnificent Seven, where he was the guy that was throwing the knives. He was in Terminator Genesis, um, G.I. Joe movies, and those kind of things. So he's been in other movies in the United States. Um, I kind of liked how he had that, the, the way he decided to do his character with that flair. He had a certain like look to him, a certain style. He had that cool bad guy vibe, you know, Ben wrote, ben wrote to me one time, he's like, he's riding his horse and he's got his gun pulled out in his right hand, or his, his right hand, and he's riding along that way. Why is he riding like that when there's nobody near him? I was like, it's because it's cool. <laughs> I mean, this dude, he's literally like been riding on his horse. The only people around him is his gang, and they all have their weapons pulled out for like no reason. <laughs> They're just riding. Other than like it looks cool. It looks cool, though. It's all about the aesthetic, Ben. The whole time I was like, who are they going to shoot? Well, the bad guy does shoot his own men on occasion, so I guess that's why everybody has their weapons drawn. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very good point. It's better to go down with a gun in your hand than a gun in your holster. Better not to go down. Well, that that is true, Ben. That, that, That is very true. Um... Another thing I thought was interesting in the behind the scenes, Ben brought this up when we were watching the movie. He said the horses are almost going faster than the vehicles. And one of the actors, I'm trying to remember which one, I think it was the one who played the good. Yeah, it was the good. Um, Jung Woo Sung said that when they, when they did the horse training in Korea, then they went to China to do with the desert scenes and all that stuff, the horses were so fast, they actually were going faster than the vehicles. <laughs> and I, I looked at Ben, and that's when I realized Ben couldn't read what they're saying because he didn't have his glasses on. <laughs> and, and that kind of what, Talking about the horses, that was one of the things that the, the film actually got into a little bit of trouble with. Um, in the, the UK, the British Board of Film Classification actually ordered about five seconds of cuts to some of the horse scenes because they judged that some of the falls that the horses had uh, violated the Animal Cruelty Act of 1937. Oh, wow. I I knew there was an Animal Cruelty Act. I didn't know one only back to 1937. Well, this was in the UK. I don't know how that, what the one in the U.S. is, but this was the one in the U.K., well, there definitely was a lot of stunt horses being used and a lot of stunts for him doing. And, and um, I do know there was one scene where it was like super horse. It's like a, a, the Japanese were, were, were shelling the area and it shelled on the horse and you see the horse ride through totally unharmed. And I'm like, oh, super horse. <laughs> its rider is like gone. The horse, A-OK. Actually, I don't think he had the rider on at the time. I think he was just no, riding. The the rider got rider shot got like, off, and then the shell exploded, and then the horse came through. It looked like it got hit by, like, three different shells, or, like, they were landing next to it, and the rider just fell off, and then all of a sudden, the next shell hits, and you're like, oh, now the horse isn't going to be in the shot, and you're like, oh, no, it's still there. <laughs> like, the one other thing I want to mention with the good is 
I've I've seen wire foo, but I've never seen wire gung gun foo where he's on wires using his rifle blowing people away going from building to building. It was just like, and and it worked. You know, you're watching it. You, yep. oh, you look on paper, you think this can't work, but then you watch it and you're like, well, it looks just good. And, and he was and he was hitting like everything. It looked like a video, like that scene looked like it could have been in a video game. Like, you know what I mean? Where if you're playing something like Assassin's Creed or something. Yeah. Like if you're playing Assassin's Creed and you like grab one rope and then cut another thing and fly to a different thing along a rope. It was like, oh man, I want to do this in a video game. Yeah, I know Derek and I used to play Red Dead Redemption quite a bit in in the online and there were several times where I was running around in there on top there was like a fort that you would run around and I was always in my mind thinking of scenes where he was jumping from building to building and stuff through the uh, the ghost market while I was playing Red Dead Redemption I'll tell you this, this director did um, homages to the, no, the Man With No Name trilogy throughout the film but I saw a homage done to a film that I think most people, I don't know if he did it intentionally or not, was Sergeant York. And um, when the good was coming up on the Japanese from behind, and he's shooting them, and he's shooting them so that they can't tell because all the noise, he's shooting them from the end. And there was that Sergeant York scene where um, he's shooting at um, ducks. And people's like, well, where do you shoot the ducks? And he goes, oh, you shoot them at the end because that way the ones that are flying up in front don't know what's happening to the rear ducks or if you mm-hmm. shoot the duck in the front, everybody knows what's happening and they scatter. So he was doing the same thing to the Japanese. And um, I, was, I was just like, I don't know if he planned that or not. You know, it was just one of those things. That... <laughs> <laughs> but did you pick up on that right away, Scott? Um, no, I had not, but I know what scene you're talking about and that makes perfect sense now. Let's see. And yes, Ben. There was one other thing. So at the end of the film, we were kind of interested in who ended up killing the most people in the movie or which character ended up killing the most people. So who do you think it was, Scott? You put the characters in order, the good, the bad, and the weird. Which ones killed the most? I'm going, the way that you're asking that question, I'm going to say it's the good. Who would you think would be second? And then we'll tell you if you're right. This, this, by the way, somebody did this and had this posted on YouTube. They had the uh, the kill count, and I was just and 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 the kill count meaning I think the way they did it was they actually had to be shot by that character. So the good, probably the probably the good, the weird, and the bad in that order. Yeah, that's what the kill count had. <laughs> yeah, it was something like twenty nine or yeah twenty nine, twenty two, thirteen. The bad kills the least amount of people. <laughs> But they were all bad that he killed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the good and the weird killed all the bad, and you know people. Well, the bad did kill some bad. Yes, he did. Oh, and and when he took out the, um, I guess it would be like the crime boss or something like that, or the one guy. The guy that, that hired the guy that hires him to get the map. Yes. Yeah. The other. Yes. One. Didn't he kill both of them? <laughs> I just the, the scene where he, the, he goes back to that guy and he's in he's in the, his house. That scene I love that scene. It's so well shot and acted and everything. And it always goes to say, 
just shoot the person. Don't don't monologue the whole time. And to to go back to my Disney roots and syndrome, you got me monologuing. <laughs> oh. So does anybody have any dislikes they want to talk about? Or things that they felt could be improved. I personally don't. I I don't I'm not saying this is a perfect movie, but this is a fun movie to watch and it's beautiful to look at and well acted and the stunts are well done, the music's well done, the cinematography. And like I said earlier, even if you don't know South Korean language, if you don't you don't need to know their culture or anything, it's it all makes perfect sense to an outsider. So I can't think of anything that I, I would ding this movie for. I have to agree with Scott. Um, there's nothing that I would really want to change about this movie. It It's just a great movie that I really enjoy watching. I don't think I would want to change anything specifically about this movie. I would just say that I would like another film in which the weird and the good do more things together because they had some pretty good on-screen chemistry and kind of worked well together as characters. Yeah, I'm kind of stumped too. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'd be up for that. I'm sorry, go Scott. I was just saying uh, I would be up for that as well. It'd be cool to see if they did a sequel, but I don't, I don't, the, the director talked about how shooting in China was not the most um, fun experience for him. And he said, I could write a book, you know, he did not, they, they had um, <laughs> sandstorms, all those other things. I mean, it's, a, and we saw some of that in behind the scenes footage, the sandstorms going through and how they were suffering through. So it, it would be interesting to see if the, if he decided to go back that to that route again, but the film itself, I mean, it, it's, it's like Scott already mentioned. It's not a perfect film, but it, it is what it is. It, it's exactly what you expect it to be. You expect it to be a, a Western, and it's a Western that's set a lot later than most Westerns that you would normally attribute. Because most Westerns were always thinking or set in the, um, like 100 years earlier than we are now. And this one's set in the 1930s. Yeah, just, just before World War II. Yeah, exactly. So you have more modern weapons, but yet it still has that timeless quality. I mean, one guy's using a mace for crying out loud. So mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> so there are, there are some interesting weapons being brought to the, the to the core to the to the battle, so to speak. But um, yeah, I definitely, Scott. I'm happy that you recommend you um, pick this movie because I'm, I'm giving it a high recommend. You know, two South Korean films we've done so far, and both of them are highly recommended. I highly recommend both. I would agree. I'd also highly recommend this film to anybody who would be interested in westerns or action films or even just comedy or just anybody that loves movies. I would definitely recommend this film. And I will say, if we ever get Cantonese films or ever I get foreign again, we're going to watch some pretty cool Cantonese films. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm really glad you guys like this film. Um, I've recommend this, recommended this to quite a few people once I first saw it. 
and really most people that have come back thanking me and saying that they really liked it and saying a lot of the same things that, that we've said here today. So I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it as well. And Michaela, what did you think of the film? I would also give it a very good, very high recommend. Um, it's just a great film. Like you don't even, you don't even have to have seen any Korean or movies or anything like that before to enjoy it. Um, it's just a good movie. And um, the one thing I want to mention, I know, <coughs> excuse me, that you and um, Ben both talked about it would be nice that there was a sequel or continuation with the two characters. I'm always in a weird frame of mind when it comes to sequels. You know, sometimes I want a sequel or a movie like should have it, but a lot of times I think they make movies, have sequ- make, uh, sequels to movies, and it just doesn't work. There was like nothing else to go with. Um, and it finished. This one, I think, does have meat on the bones if they had a good script where they could take the two um, and, and, and move forward with it um, and that kind of stuff. But who's the well, At the very least, I would like to see more interaction between those two actors. Oh, definitely. And I think yeah. the, the three main leads were, were high uh, in South Korea at the time. They were like really big male actors. And um, the director talked about how it was a coup to get all three of them in one film. That was, that was like a, a very hard thing to do. The guy that played the bad was, um, he said he was reluctant at first to get in to do the film. And then once he did it, he did, he was happy he did. And so am I. Although I think he was also the one that said he had never seen more natural disasters or natural, um, weather events in his entire life. <laughs> Like I said, that the director said he could write a book about this. <laughs> but but obviously the bad must have liked his westerns because he did the um, the actor did the Magnificent Seven. So he can he took that horse riding skills that he learned in Korea and he's and moved it on. And that that's a that's a film for a different day. But I, that's a film also I enjoy. But Scott, thank you for joining in with us. I'm glad you picked this film. Um, what, what is some contact information that people can utilize to find some of these different podcasts that you're on or things that you're up to? Well, you can head over to www.disneyindiana.com. That is the homepage for Tracy and I's podcast. And from there, I have links to uh, just about uh, all the other shows that I've been on, Monster Kid Radio, and Plan Nine, they're all uh, listed there off of uh, off our homepage, and uh, there you also find our entire library of well over three hundred episodes of um, Disney goodness there. And it is Disney goodness, like I said, Mikhail and I have been listening to your show for a while now. And uh, anybody that loves anything Disney related, as Scott said earlier, and as Tracy said in the in the No Deposit No Return episode. It, they cover it all eventually. And right now you've been doing the story um, with Mickey, Donald and um, Minnie going across and Pluto going across, Pluto, United, yes. going across the United States. Yeah. Mickey sees the USA, which was a book that was written. I want to say in the late forties, early fifties, it was uh, for the, uh, the kids market, basically uh, education. And it follows, Mickey decides he wants to see the country because he's been reading a book about different things all over the country. So 
they go off in a trailer and the book kind of follows their adventures. And Tracy and I have been reading a chapter or two each month uh, as we uh, as we go through the year. And we'll finish up the book uh, in our December episode. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So far, we've uh, followed the gang as they've uh, started off in California, headed up north, north, went through Oregon, Washington State, and uh, just made it to uh, Yellowstone National Park at, the, at our last story. And for those people that are missing the parks and missing the rides, I know my daughter is and I am, I've been, and I'm sure Ben has been also, you guys have um, different audio things and parts with different rides. And I think last year your theme was once a month you were comparing rides that are similar or, or the same in Disneyland and Disney World to see which one yeah. is the better. And I, I really enjoyed in, in that our comparison. Opinion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we also, when we go to the parks, we bring an audio recorder with us and the microphones that we use actually uh, go in my ears. So when we record the audio, it's binaural audio. So it's like you're actually there. So we share quite a bit of audio that we recorded as we ride different attractions. Uh, We just recently did an episode where we took a virtual tour to Walt Disney world and we played some audio, uh, something from each of the different parks uh, that we had recorded in the past. Yeah, so listeners, if you're missing Disney World like everybody is that in our house. Um, or, or Disneyland. We have Disneyland audio, and we have some audio from the Disney Cruises. You know, feel free to um, listen to your podcast. You can pick the, cause the episodes are pretty much pretty well, very well labeled, so you can pretty much pick the ones you want to do that time and then work your way through. I mean, there is only 300 episodes to pick. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing it for quite a while, and and – we have no plans on stopping it. It's something that Tracy and I really enjoy doing together. It's, it's one of those hobbies that we get to share. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, ironically, I can actually tie that back to, to Derek once again, because Derek and Brenda started mail order zombie just before we started Disney Indiana. And I reached out to him because I started listening to their podcast almost from the beginning and ask them what it's like podcasting with your spouse to get some pointers and tips. So my relationship with those two have gone back for quite a few years. And, and just before we end this episode, I have a quick question to ask you, Scott, and that is um, in recent episodes, I was, I was on Monster Kid Radio and we were doing that monster movie poll. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're listening where um, Derek brought up that he does not like Conan the Destroyer. And I said to him, what is wrong with Conan? And him and I are going to be doing down the road with Mikhail and Ben. We're going to be re- going over Conan the, ba- the, the Barbarian and mm-hmm. uh, Conan the Destroyer. But what is your impression of Conan the Destroyer? Honestly, I think I've only seen the Barbarian. I don't think I've seen any of the other ones. Well, we'll have to have you watch the other one then, and then, uh, and and and, it, and then you have to send us like an audio clip that we can add to that episode. Yeah, Derek and I are already talking about what we want to do next. So, I, I know that he and I would like to do another, like the Plan Nine, where we watched nine minutes, or we talked about it, Plan Nine from Outer Space in nine minute chunks. I think there's one more episode at, the, at this recording date that still needs to go out 
but we've already talked about what movie we'd like to do next in a similar uh, by minute type format. So that may, that may come up uh, down the line. I don't think it's, we're ready to officially announce the movie yet. Uh, there's no rush. You know, I mean, it's, I, I've, I've enjoyed, like, I, I think Derek put a poll out, like, or a question, like, who do you like as the co-host on Monster Kid Radio? And I've always enjoyed the, the banter between the two of you because it always reminds me of, like, um, two people that are at a restaurant or a bar or having a drink or whatever, and they're, like, talking about a movie. And and you, got, you go off on side tangents here and there, just like it would happen in that thing. But it, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like you're just having to be sitting next to the, the two guys talking about that movie at the bar and just listening in. And, he, and, and sometimes we've actually been in the same room recording, which is a little difficult since he's in Portland, Oregon, and I'm in Indiana. But uh, the last episode we did for MKR together, which was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, is while Tracy and I spent uh, the holidays with Derek and Brenda. So we were physically out in Oregon. So getting to record with him face-to-face um, makes this podcast even that much more interesting to me. Oh, I agree. Exactly. But, but thanks again for joining us. And um, you have to let us know if you want to join us for another episode down the road. We can have you yep. ro- roll the dice. And uh, actually, um, I, yes. I was just going to thank you for uh, having me on. I really appreciate it, uh, even though it wasn't a Disney film. Well, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, <laughs> give it time. It probably will become a Disney film at the way things are going. I mean, you never know. That's true. And when they buy South Korea, I guess. <laughs> you never know. You, you never know until you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, I don't know how to follow that up. But but thanks again. And um, thank you, listeners, for listening in to our podcast. And um, join us next week when we um, have our next episode out, which will be decided by the roll of a die. Michaela, do you want to roll... The die to see who gets to pick. It'll probably be a Disney. Sure. <laughs> well, well, you never know. It all depends on who wins the roll. So let's see. Here we go. Well, who won it, Mikhail? It is a Disney movie, isn't uh, it? Uh, this is the side who gets to pick. I'm, I'm waiting for her to tell me. I can't see it from over here. Well, what did it say, Ben? <laughs> it said Michaela. Yeah, it, it said Michaela. It said Michaela, and Ben switched the die over. And what die do you have to roll? Michaela one. It was one or two. It was one. It's Michaela one. So she's rolling the, the one the die number one. Okay, here we go. <laughs> it's gonna be a Disney movie, probably. And it got animation. <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> you just you just seem to miss all of the Disney movies, Scott. <laughs> it looks like you're gonna have to come back, Scott. <laughs> I don't actually. I don't. I don't know what she. She actually does like some animated movies that are non. I, I noticed this might be heresy to you, Scott. That are non-Disney, so she might pick one of those. I don't know. Well, there is like Pixar. That Which was non-Disney. <laughs> it's just DreamWorks now, basically. Now it's almost but, only DreamWorks, right? Unless you want to get some foreign films. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But I do know she loves 
Robin Hood. She loves the Aristocats. You say you can get some like Studio Ghibli or yeah. um, some Japanese. Except that's the thing. It's in Studio Ghibli, part of Pixar, Akira. which is also part of Disney. True. Yep. <laughs> so. Well, you don't have to decide right now, yeah, Mikhail. I'm not know? sure. There's a lot of animated movies out there. And she can even pick. She doesn't want to say it. She doesn't want to say a Disney movie while I'm on the line. Well, well, you know, she could pick. She could pick a movie that's live action with animation. Like I don't know who framed Roger Rabbit and really. Oh. <laughs> We do have that at home on DVD. You don't have it on Blu-ray? No. And DVD and Laserdisc and VHS like I do? <laughs> and like, don't you have like 5,000 posters of Jessica Rabbit or something? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, Mikhail. No, 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 you don't have to pick now, Mikhail. But now we, the listeners will know. <laughs> That down the road, Michaela will be picking an animated movie. And as Ben and I said in the last episode, or no, two episodes, a few episodes ago, we think Michaela doctors the dice to make sure she gets the rolls. It was rigged. It landed on Michaela again. It landed on Michaela again. It landed on Michaela again. All right, stop, stop rolling. (laughs) Oh, now you finally roll me. It's gone, Ben. It's gone. (laughs) Three out of every four rolls are Michaela. Okay, that one was Michaela again. Okay, yep, yep, you're done. Okay, that's, that's you're done. You don't roll anymore. Ben might never pick again. It looks like I'll pick one well, every four roll times. The die. <laughs> All right, this is, this is going down the hill. Yeah. Um, but for listeners, um, stay tuned for the next episode that'll be coming out. It could be an interview or it could be Michaela's animation review. Also, follow us on Facebook at Diecast Movie Review Podcast. You can also email us at diecastmoviereviewpodcast at gmail.com. And Ben? You can also follow us on Instagram at diecastmoviereviewpodcast on Instagram. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today, and we hope you have a fantastic day. Bye.